Let's get to it. Big Show Hour 4. Got GVP. Got Intern Chan with me as well. We go down that Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, we are joined by CFL Insider, one of the best in the game, from 3 Down Nation, Justin Dunk. Justin, thanks so much for joining me on this Thursday, buddy. Thanks for having me on, man. Good to be with you. Heck yeah. Let's uh, let's get to it. Uh, see, the Week 5 gets underway tonight in Regina. The Riders and Elks. Uh Elks struggling, man. 0-4, going back to Taylor Cornelius. And then obviously on the Riders' side, they're still looking almost a year now without a win at home. Uh, lots on the line tonight. I, I can't imagine how Chris Jones will feel going back to Edmonton, possibly 0-5. <laughs> I can imagine how he would feel. He would definitely be upset. I would imagine there'd probably be some beverages consumed to try to forget oh, about yeah. it. But. This is critical for the Elks and Taylor Cornelius. And I know you mentioned that Riders home losing streak that they got going on, but I think they're going to get a win at home this year. There's some good vibes around that team right yeah, now. Yeah. This game to me is more about the Elks and the quarterback situation. I didn't like that they went to Jared Daggy for mm-hmm. just one start. And then now they're going back to Taylor Cornelius. Like, why not let the corn dog ride it <laughs> out a little bit or stick with Daggy, like you give him one start and then mm-hmm. you yank him back out, it just does not work well with quarterbacks and their confidence. Yeah, and it, it just makes it just makes a mess of things, and that's how it's been in Edmonton is them trying to figure out that quarterback position. They obviously let Kai Loxley go, and and like like it just what are they doing there? Is it like is Corn like obviously heading in Cornelius? Like I think a lot of people had hype around Cornelius. Like oh, this guy has got the ability, he played pretty well in college. He's got. Uh, Gino Lewis now in the receiving core. Got Darrell Walker as well. Should help him out. But it's just, they just cannot get that position right. They can't. And I think a lot of people are asking that question around the league. What are the Elks doing to quarterback? And I think the Elks might even silently be asking that themselves, right? I really, truly believe that Trey Ford, and yes, I Mm -hmm. was a Canadian University quarterback myself, but University of Waterloo product Mm -hmm. is the answer at quarterback for the Elks. He has that dynamic ability as an athlete. He's arguably one of the best athletes oh, yeah. in the CFL. If you just look at his pure testing numbers, right? Runs 4-4 in the 40, can jump 40 inches in the vertical. And he came in last year in his first career start in Hamilton on the road and, and led the Elks <laughs> to a comeback win yeah. at that, right? Yeah, it was a win and a comeback yeah. win and looked pretty good before he got hurt against Calgary. And then his season was kind of derailed. So I'd like to see Trey Ford get a shot. I thought he should have got a shot before Jared Deggie, but it's clear that Chris Jones really wanted to learn a little bit about teaching him how to Deggie, and then now he doesn't want to learn that dance anymore. So I would like the Elks to go with Trey Ford, mm-hmm. and I think that could help solve these quarterback woes. Yeah, I figure maybe it might be Troy, Trey Ford sooner rather than later if it, if it goes wrong tonight uh, in the Saskatchewan capital. Uh, Ottawa uh, will be finally welcoming back uh, Jeremiah Masoli after a long, uh, uh, so more than a year, I guess, now uh, after getting hit by Garrett Marino, uh, having that uh, catastrophic knee injury. Uh, what do you think uh, Masoli can do to bring uh, Ottawa? You know, they got their first win last week, and obviously, like Masoli, he's feeling he's got a lot to prove here. He does have a lot to prove, and I think this is a critical game for Jeremiah Masoli just Mm -hmm. in terms of his confidence, right? He's got to understand that he can take a shot, especially in and around that leg that had a broken femur in it. We've got to remember that. That's a major injury to come back from and have the confidence that he can get back up and play on that leg again. So I think he's going to be better than any quarterback that Ottawa has on that roster right now, and Tyree Adams 
who yeah. just announced that he had an ACL, played on that ACL yeah. horn last week for part of the game, which shows his toughness. He's an up-and-coming quarterback, but Jeremiah Masoli is the best guy there. He's their franchise guy. He's a guy that Sean Burke, the general manager, knows from many years together in Hamilton and signed Masoli to be the face of the franchise there. So if Masoli can be healthy, and I think that's the case now, they've given him lots of time and full credit to Burke and head coach Bob mm-hmm. Dice for not rushing him back, giving him the time, that I think Jeremiah Masoli can come out and show that he's one of the upper echelon quarterbacks in this league, but he's got to get that confidence back in terms of dealing with putting this injury behind him. If he does do that, then I think Ottawa can be really competitive in the East. Um, Jake Serezna, the, the, the Elks the, uh, D lineman that uh, hit Tyree Adams, was uh, was fine the maximum amount. Uh, do you happen to know off the top of your head if uh, the CFL announces that a fine amount? Because I know they say max amount. Like, What exactly is the max amount of a CFL fine? The max amount is half of a player's game check okay. that week. So for Varying players, it would be a little differently. I mean, I could look up Jake Serezna's uh, salary here pretty quick. I was actually trying to do it with Chris Edwards and just didn't get around to mm-hmm. it. So it really matters about what their base salary is because okay. that's what they're getting on a week on a weekly basis. Um, Hamilton, obviously, they have the Bo Levi Mitchell injury, and uh, Kyle Oxley was cut from Edmonton and now has found his way into Hamilton. Do you think he they could see Loxley a bit this week and use him? It's possible in that short yardage role. They have yeah. Matthew Schiltz, who was their short yardage guy when Bowie Levi Mitchell was healthy. So I think it's possible, but he's probably just trying to pick up this offense that can be difficult to digest quickly with what Tommy Condell does there. But I think he probably could come in there and run a very simple short yardage package. So I think it's possible we see him. It'll just depend how much he can comfortably digest. Uh, Ty Cats will be taking on the the Red Blacks on Saturday. Uh, now, obviously, they're off to a, a kind of a rough start as well. They have the injury to Bo Levi. They they invest a ton into him, uh, but obviously, this is a team that's gotten to the to the, the Grey Cup and lost it. They've gotten been there, but how much more runway? Talk about runway for Chris Jones and guys like that. And obviously, they're not playing well. But Orlando Steinhauer is a guy that's been you know gotten Hamilton there, but hasn't gotten them over the hump. Is there a sense in Hamilton that his future could be uh, could be not that great if if Hamilton continues to falter here over the next month or so? Yes, it's definitely possible, and the seat has gotten hotter there. It's yeah. the Ticats' second straight 0-3 start. And if you look at just the records there in Hamilton since Steinauer took over, it's gone down every year, yeah. 15-3 in 2019. And then you look at the COVID season was obviously canceled in 2021. They were 8-6, and six, and then last year I think they were 8-10. and 10. So you go from being the best team in the CFL mm-hmm. in 2019 to right now, you know, arguably one of the worst. I think... The factor here, though, that a lot of people don't necessarily know or maybe just have never heard about in Hamilton is, yes, Orlando Steinauer is the head coach and president of football operations, but a lot of the big-time moves that are made over there in Hamilton actually are decided by Scott Mitchell, the CEO. He's tried to remove a little bit of the pressure and name mm-hmm. Matt Afnick the president there, but, like, for example, Bo Levi Mitchell, that would have been a move that Scott Mitchell wanted to make and we've seen him do it in the past with this team with Henry Burris with Jason Moss with Casey Printers quarterbacks who were up there in age went out and spent big money on and it didn't necessarily work out the way that he planned I think that's part of the reason why the Tiger Cats had the longest great cup throughout in the league is because 
Scott Mitchell doesn't necessarily let the football people do what they do. And I think that's the difference here is Orlando Steinauer was held in such high regard by Bob Young, by Scott Mitchell, and rightfully so. And he values that culture in the locker room. And you're looking at a Ticats team now that has Duke Williams, Chris Edwards, and has brought in, we mentioned it before, Kyle Oxley, who didn't want to go run the short yardage package in Edmonton. And that's why the Elks moved on from him. So Steinauer values this culture in the locker room, but yet he's bringing in guys who have a reputation and a past of being people who draw negative vibes mm-hmm. around them for the antics that they do. Like these are guys that never would have been around for Steinauer in 2019 for sure. So I'd be very curious as to how some of these decisions are being made behind the scenes, because I don't think it should all be put on Orlando Steinauer because I think a lot of these decisions are being forced on him. He'll never say that publicly, but the facts of the matter is that's how some of the inner workings happen in Hamilton behind the scenes. Head east uh, down the highway up to Toronto, and boy, these Argos, man, they look good. They just picked off Vernon Adams six times. Chad Kelly looks like he could be the next big star at that position, and then we know this league needs a quarterback to really carry them forward, and especially in the biggest market in Toronto. But you think the Argos right now, class of the league? They definitely are, and I think that is definitely the case, but also the game against BC could have been yeah. very different if Vernon Adams Jr. only throws three interceptions, mm-hmm. right? Like, he still threw for well over 300 yards, almost 400 yards. Yep. I think it was 388 in that loss. There was some big-time chunk yardage gains there. There were just some terrible reads and decisions that Vernon Adams Jr. made yeah. to throw into obvious three-deep coverage. So. I do think the Argos right now are the class of the CFL. Of course, they are the defending champions. But the one thing that they've done really well is capitalize on mistakes, especially in that game. I think BC, you could argue in some aspects, outside of the turnovers, actually played a better complete game mm-hmm. than the Argos. But when you turn it over six times and there's a bunch of points off those turnovers, it's hard to come back from. So I do really like the Argos. I think they have a solid offensive line. Chad Kelly has done very well in terms of managing situations in the football game early on. That's what really gets me excited watching him about his potential upside because he's not forcing passes into double coverage, right? He's not throwing multiple interceptions like Vernon Adams Jr. did into simple cover three coverages where you have three deep defenders in that part of the field and Vernon Adams Jr. just lofted up. We haven't seen Chad Kelly do that. He's understanding situation in situational football very well with the Argos, like when to potentially take a deep shot down the field and when not to, mm-hmm. when to avoid a sack and when to get down and just leave your team in field goal range. So Kelly's been great, but this defense has been really good. Obviously, Robertson Daniel, the former Calgary St. Peter, had three yep. picks plus the pick six last week. Yep. The secondary, I think, is underrated there. Royce Metry, for my money, is one of the best safeties mm-hmm. in the league. They have Deshaun Amos, who, of course, came over from Calgary. Jordan Williams was out, but I think he's a star at middle linebacker as a Canadian. And then everybody in Calgary knows what Flo or Malade can do on the defensive line. Sean Oakland is back healthy. So the Argos have built a really deep team, and they also have a group that's been together, which is really helping them out across the board. 
Argos already on their second bye week of the year. Uh, they're, uh, they'll be back against Montreal the following week. Uh, on the flip side, uh, the opponent for the Argos is BC Lions. Uh, now, Vernon Adams, he obviously got off to a great start this year, but he has in the past, he's been injured, and, and he has had those style of games where he doesn't really know where he's throwing the ball sometimes. Uh, is that more of uh, the Vernon Adams? You're going to see more of the in-between Vernon Adams the rest of the year, like him, not like not like the MOP crazy start, but you're not going to see the six pick game. Do you think BC can be okay with Vernon Adams being just all right here? I think that answer is to be decided. This week against Montreal yeah. is a very telling game for Vernon Adams Jr. in a number of ways. I think he actually handled that six-pick outing very well. He wasn't on the sideline freaking out and throwing his helmet and yelling and screaming. So that, to me, shows that there might be some maturity there from Vernon Adams Jr. And as it relates to the actual football part of it, we're going to see if he learns from those mistakes against the Alouettes. I think the Alouettes, to be quite honest, are underrated. I thought they battled Winnipeg very tightly in that rain-soaked game that was delayed. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they weren't able to score a touchdown, but... They're right in that game for most of it, right? Winnipeg does what they do and made plays at critical times to win the game. And it's a difficult trip for Montreal to go all the way out to the West Coast, mm-hmm. literally the farthest trip that they'll make on the year. But they have a solid defense there that if Vernon Adams Jr. makes mistakes, the Alouettes will take advantage of. So this week will tell us a lot about where Vernon Adams Jr. is at. And I think it will give us an idea as to your question. If he's at that MOP caliber level, if he's going to be the erratic Vernon Adams Jr. that's mm-hmm. up and down from game to game, or if he's steadied out and become more consistent. We're talking with Justin Dunk, CFL Insider from 3 Down Nation. Uh, the Calgary Stampeders, they're in Winnipeg. Uh, they're dealing with a lot of injuries, uh, but it looks like uh, they'll have Reggie Bagleton available to them as well this week. Uh, what have you made from uh, the Stamps start to the year? Uh, they're coming off a bye. They're beat up, but uh, uh, you know, obviously a new quarterback as well in Jake Mayer. The start overall, I would say, is kind of meh. Yeah. Like, yeah. they beat Ottawa, and that was a game they probably had to win, and Ottawa didn't get great quarterback play that night. And I thought if Ottawa would have actually started Tyree Adams that game, yeah. they could have won. But they went to him late in the game, got a little bit of juice there. And honestly, I want to see more out of Jake Mayer in terms of throwing football down the field. You don't want to see him forcing it down the field, but even some of the intermediate throws, like, I'd like to see him drive on the football more. So, I know it's a much different situation for him now being the number one guy with the expectations of stepping in for Bolivar Mitchell, who won multiple CFL MLPs, won multiple great cups Mm -hmm. for that franchise. It's never easy to step in after a guy has a great career in any aspect, any sport, even in broadcasting, anything like that. It's difficult to step in Mm -hmm. behind somebody who was one of the best all time in franchise history, but I think there's room for growth here with Jake Marin. I think it'll help that he gets Reggie Begleton back. And if he can quickly develop a rapport with Mark and Michelle, Mm -hmm. even though Malik Henry is out of the lineup, I think Michelle can help fill some of that void in terms of getting over the top and vertical on defenses. Uh, The Bombers and Owls game you mentioned there, it was delayed uh, by the thunderstorm, the rain that went through Montreal. It still did great in the ratings despite that delay. And overall this year, numbers are up. Uh, How do you like in the the TV numbers this year? It's got to be good for the league, eh? It definitely is. And when you put those together, and it was the combined English rating and the French rating, to get over 700,000 for a game that does not involve the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, is a major positive for the league. And yes, you mentioned it also with the rain delay. I think the one thing that helped was 
the Toronto Blue Jays played at three o'clock that afternoon. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't anything really that was big on the sports docket going head to head with that game. I mean, some people might be yelling and saying, well, TFC was playing that night too, but <laughs> <laughs> the MLS doesn't draw no. numbers or numbers anywhere close to the CFL numbers right now. So yeah. that rating is really good for the league. Also the Monday night game. And I was actually critical of the league for scheduling the game on Monday night mm. for the Lions to go into Toronto. I thought it should have been on Sunday, but Toronto FC played at home yeah. on Saturday. So they need some time to turn the stadium around. It had a great rating as well. 573,000, just on English TV. So the fact that the ratings are trending up and that there was such a big one between the Bombers and Alouettes without the Rough Riders involved is a big positive for the league. Do you think how the league is spacing the games out right now, at least in the summertime, and I'll say for that one game on the Monday, but it's like it's a game a week, uh, a game a day, sorry. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You think that's helping? It's hard to say. I think we need more data, but mm -hmm. overall I will say, like, I've enjoyed it, but that doesn't mean that everybody likes it. I mean, you hear from different people who Thursdays and families and, you know, they talk about Thursday, the week might not quite be over mm -hmm. or just even getting to the week, right? Like there's different mentalities and in Toronto, Thursday is the first Friday of the week. So I'm just outside the GTA, but just, you know, talking to some of my buddies and some younger dudes around there, like people are going out and they're going hard yeah. on Thursday night and they're kind of recovering at work and Friday's a down night and then they go out Saturday again. So mm -hmm. Randy Ambrosi said he's just learning this, but this has been <laughs> a thing for like well over a decade. Okay. But I think it's helping the league in terms of really focusing on one game each night, yeah. having it in a prime TV window. You know, the games are usually starting between 7 to 10 o'clock and only the 10 o'clock starts around that East Coast. But I don't think we've had a doubleheader or 10 o'clock start. I haven't had a doubleheader, and BC hasn't played an 8 o'clock uh, local uh, mountain time yet. So, yeah, like there hasn't been late games yet. 7 o'clock local has been the latest, I think. Which is helping. Yeah. I think the Lions actually like having these afternoon games there, like oh, yeah, I think 4 so o'clock local start, because they can get the families across there and people can come on the ferries and stuff like yeah. that. So uh, I've enjoyed it, but then some people say, well, it'd be nice to have you know three days with games where you have one doubleheader perhaps on Friday night football yeah. and then Saturday and Sunday in the summer. But I really like what the CFL has at least tried to do here where they're on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but it needs to be consistent, mm -hmm. right? So that was my issue with the Monday night game was I know Toronto FC was playing on the Saturday night and this is goes way back to, you know, last year when they were coming up with the schedule for 2023, but just try to be consistent. So then people mm -hmm. know when you're going to be on. I think there's been some complaints about that from fans, but if they find a formula here and the Sunday night football works in the summer, then I think people could get used to that and knowing, hey, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, night or afternoon, but it seems like at night is working well. There's probably going to be CFL on. It could be a good formula for the league. Uh, any update on the uh, not-so-genius sports and the debacle that's uh, the CFL <laughs> stats, man? I, 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 can't, I, I was trying to look up uh, Jake Mayer's stats from his uh, debut in Winnipeg last year, and they don't even have it up on the website. You can't, man. It's just a shame. And I just praise the CFL for the TV ratings, and it's positive that they're trying some new things in terms of when they're having games on days of the week, like we talked about on Sunday night. But this is just an absolute debacle, yeah. a complete failure. Randy Ambrosi said it's not a failure, but it is. And I'll give you some insight to this, right? Okay. The last time the league went on, underwent a big stats overhaul is very simple. They ran the systems in parallel to make sure that you know guys like us looking up stats and the fans and everybody out there could see the ones that were there 
while they implemented the other system. So there were two systems ongoing in parallel. They decided not to do that this time for some unknown reason. I have no idea why, but I'm sure somebody's getting in trouble for that <laughs> at the CFL head office. And they have not gotten on top of this as quickly as they should have. What I was told is that the top genius sports technician, let's call them, was not put on this until very recently. So I don't understand how your genius sports, you have this piece of the ventures part of CFL now, right? You're a partner, you're a shareholder, Mm -hmm. and you don't have your top technician on the CFL stats changeover when you're talking about bringing in revenue from betting and people can't even go and figure that out. Exactly. this needs to be fixed as fast as possible, but it honestly doesn't seem like there is a fast hmm. time period for this to be fixed. Randy Ambrosi thought it would be better in early July. Well, we're already here. Yeah. So it's going to take a while, I think. And the longer that it goes, it just makes the CFL look more and more bushly. They oh, yeah. hate that term being thrown around. But as you said, when you can't even look up stats for Jake Mayer's first start in Winnipeg, it just does not help anybody. It doesn't help the media. It doesn't help fans. And it makes you look Bush league. Like there are leagues out there that do not pay people to play football that have better stats in the CFL right now. I believe uh, our co-hosts today were George Rusk and Julian McKenzie. I believe their ball hockey league had their stats updated quicker than the CFL. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just bad look, bad taste in your mouth. And you try to defend the league so much, but then they go and do something like this. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just, it's too much, too much. And then, like, uh, we got the CFL Connect, I guess we can have access to, which is like the live stats, but then they're different than what TSN is doing. It's just, I, I have no idea what, what's going down. Exactly. Dude, and the other thing that it hasn't been talked about very much is a lot of the way that stats are sort of transferred around to these different apps or sites now, right? The score, or ESPN, yeah. or whatever other apps people are on is or was based on that CFL stat system, mm-hmm. but they're not there now. So now the score app, which yep. is used widely around the world, doesn't have CFL stats on yep. it. ESPN doesn't have CFL stats on it. If you want to go check it out, if you go to CBS Sports Network and you're a new fan in the States of mm-hmm. the CFL, you can't go look at the CFL stats. I, so I think that's gone under the radar as well, that when the CFL was deciding this and didn't do it in parallel, run these systems together to make sure you had stats on the outside while you worked on a new system on the inside, that you were losing all of this available data for people around the world and on major platforms. It's just hurting the league so much. And honestly, I don't think they're going to get this fixed until, man, hopefully it's not the off season, but yeah. it seems like it's trending that way. It feels like it for sure. Uh, quickly, what's uh, what you got going down at uh, Three Down Nation? Dude, well, everybody seems to be all over this new threads app and it's yes. somewhat legit. So three down nation has a threads account. Okay. I signed for one J dunk underscore 12, similar to my Twitter account. I need a guy that has just J dunk 12 on Instagram to just give me his account. Come on. He's not using it. But <laughs> anyways, we got some, some picks up there. Uh, we got our betting picks up on our YouTube channel as well. Kind of getting into that. So I think there's some intriguing plays this week. The one that I like the most is Ottawa going in to Hamilton mm. being underdogs. They're getting a couple points. I think that line's going to swing a little bit here because Bolivar Mitchell ain't walking through that door anytime <laughs> soon for the Tiger Cats. So I like the Red Blacks on the money line. So for all your listeners out there, go and eat that up. There you go. You heard it from the man himself, Justin Dunk. Thank you very much. We'll do this again very soon. You bet, buddy. Thanks for having me on.